Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on BayFM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. 10.22 here on BayFM on Future Sense with myself, Nick, and Steve, as you just heard there. Yeah, so for the rest of our show, we're going to talk now about local action and with an understanding of the role of this emerging paradigm as creating a foundation for a much larger shift. Mm. You know, what action can we take? What useful action can we take that is in line with the, the sort of flows uh, and the, the way this uh, sixth layer of human consciousness is is drawing us, mm. um, yet it also you know understands the limitations that it brings, and uh, the fact that we we really don't have the capacity yet to resolve some of our most significant problems at a global level. But what we can do is understand that that is coming. It's it's uh, it's written in the code, if you like, of our mm. own development that we this will happen. Uh, it, it's inevitable. Um, and uh, what we're in now is like a preparatory uh, stage. So I, I guess um, one of the most important things to bear in mind is that the old paradigm is collapsing and the things that were created by the old paradigm and talking about this, the scientific industrial paradigm, we should expect to uh, collapse and if not disappear, at least uh, fall away in terms of their capacity to influence uh, life on a large scale. And, and one of those most, well, the most obvious thing really is, is centralised government. And we're seeing this already, that our centralised governments are less and less able to address the issues that are most important to us in society. Mm. Especially on the peripheries of society in rural or uh, local regions, other places, yeah. That, that's on right. The margins. And, and, and I guess first and foremost is they're not exhibiting the emerging values. Mm. So the ways in which human values are changing are not being exhibited by... Uh, our governments and while many many dedicated people are trying as best they can to get into these centralized governments and make changes it's it's not happening quick enough uh, and uh, you know I, I don't see it um, being a, a viable solution and, and in fact you know the way that this um, shift in consciousness is coded it's not likely to be it's we're being redirected now to uh, take a much more local view mm. in all respects. And so really a, a central part of this revolution, if you like, is about building resilient local communities. It's really, really important. Yeah. And and first and foremost in, in that process is um, the capacity and, and the focus on consolidating these new values. So, so coming together with like-minded people who exhibit these new values, and I'm talking about... Uh, value valuing things like human rights, equal opportunity, you know, a balanced society, a harmonious society, a peaceful society, mm. uh, and, a, and a society that has uh, a, a tight network structure that acts as a support mechanism, like a scaffolding. You know, in the same way that when you when you're building a, a new building, you put a scaffold around mm. it to help it hang together while it's being built. And so, our local community networks are that scaffolding. And, uh, and that's really what we need to be focusing on at the moment. Very good, yes. Um, part, of, uh, part of that 
I, I guess that relocalization process is looking to relocalize things like food supply mm. and energy generation. We're already seeing food shortages globally, and this is only going to increase with the uh, with the climate change that's coming. So, if you look back to um, the last winter in the U.S., they had a polar vortex come down across North America and massively disrupt food production in North America. Uh, and uh, it, it seems to be that the U.S. government has been trying to suppress the impact of that. Impact of that. So, if you look at the Department of Agriculture and other uh, reporting agencies from the from the centralized government in the U.S., they're not really dwelling on the amount of uh, food production which was disrupted there. But um, it, it has been the worst corn season on record yeah. in North America. I think we've mentioned that on mm. the show previously. And there have been food shortages right across America in some of the big uh, supermarket chains where people haven't been able to, to get food. And there have been signs on the, on the shelves yeah. saying, sorry, we don't have any of this at the moment. And we're likely to see more of that. You know, I think we're we're being fortunate so far here in Australia. But again, uh, we're we're facing the same issues here. We've had uh, serious disruption to our wheat production, and um, it looks likely that we're going to be facing further drought here. So that's going to mean more disruption to our our food production. And we need to look to uh, localised food supply. And, of course, in places uh, like by this uh, Byron Shire area where we're broadcasting from, uh, we're, we're already somewhere, some way down the track with this. You know, we have really solid local markets, local food, food producers mm-hmm. who are growing organic food, um, who are changing the way that they, uh, they grow their food to get away from all of the problems that have been created by the previous paradigm yeah. with, you know, the use of chemicals and, and uh, transportation all, costs yeah, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. All, all those sorts of things mm. um, so uh, and I, I'm also you know I'm interested to know if, if you're listening somewhere around the world and, and you're seeing some wonderful early stage developments with these sorts of trends we, we'd like to hear about that and uh, we'd like to be able to talk about it on the show so uh, you can email me steve at futuresense.it or nick nyck at futuresense.it it if you if you'd like to send us information about what's going on in your local area yeah. um, there's a, an interesting podcast that I've been listening to and I've mentioned before on the show uh, which is called Ice Age Farmer and uh, that is all about uh, local food production and using uh, modern technologies to be able to produce larger quantities quantities of food more efficiently and more cleanly than uh, than we have been doing so far another big area that uh, we can focus on in this relocalization trend is uh, energy generation. And you can imagine that as our national governments are slowly uh, collapsing before our eyes, one of the things they do, of course, is they maintain you know, our large-scale infrastructure. And uh, again, here in Australia, as an example, we're already seeing the demise of a lot of that infrastructure where the government's been selling it off, privatising it because mm. it can't afford to maintain it anymore. Uh, and now with the emergence of new energy generation technologies, we're going to see that some of that infrastructure is going to be even less well-maintained because it's not needed because people are generating uh, power locally using solar and, and other means. Yeah. And we're also seeing, and we should expect, further emergence of new energy generation technology. And one of the ones mm-hmm. that's come to my attention most recently is uh, magnetic generators, which have a, a sort of a... Um, a circular rotating device which is propelled by magnetic energy so it has magnets in it uh, you, the ones that i've seen so far which are just starting to uh, emerge commercially 
require some mains power to, to give them a kickstart, but once they start running, then the, this interaction between magnets inside the rotating device mm. keeps them going. Yes, yeah, so uh, it's a perpetual motion, but it's triggered by uh, some input first up. Yeah, and, and yeah, this is early stage, I guess, you know, we need mm. to, to see these things rolled out and, and put into service to actually see whether they do run perpetually or whether they do replacing after yeah. a while. But, um, but nonetheless, we, we ought to plan on this and we ought to be looking at carefully and taking advantage of these new technologies as they roll out in order to shore up our uh, local uh, sustainability and, uh, and really to, to empower ourselves locally. And, and as this happens on a larger scale, you know, we're going to see um, a phenomenon which is a little bit like uh, how water changes into, uh, you know, from the, the liquid state into the boiling state when you look at a jug. So if, you, if you've got, I just bought a, a new jug not long ago and it's a glass one where you can actually oh, yeah. see what's going on, on, which is really I love cool. That. Yeah, and, and so as the water heats up, um, <laughs> then you slowly see these little bubbles you know, uh, forming all around in different places and eventually it gets to a tipping point where the water starts to boil and all the bubbles, you know, they break out and, mm -hmm. and you get a whole mass of boiling water. And that really is the same way that this revolution is going to take place globally and is already taking place, I might say, is we've got little bubbles of humanity which are cropping up with different values with different worldviews and you know different ways of being human and the more of those little bubbles that crop up all around the place as individual bubbles where you know are going to to lead us to a, a breakout point where all of a sudden all those bubbles will connect up to each other and we'll we'll have before we know it you know the sudden transformation of life on this planet mm. yes one of the other th areas which uh, is rather interesting and uh, interesting in your thoughts here, Steve, a report a couple of days ago in the Sydney Morning Herald talks about depression, anxiety being more common than coughs, colds in GP waiting rooms. Um, just that, uh, the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners Health of the Nation report just recently released shows mental health problems have replaced physical conditions as the most common ailments doctors treat. So this is also a very interesting area, isn't it, moving forward how to treat the the mental health issues that are arising in such in, in such propensity now. Yeah, and this does seem to be in line with the kind of changes that uh, were indicated in the developmental uh, psychology research that I've been studying for mm. many years is the the modern scientific industrial paradigm is driven by success. And it's all about changing the world around you to make you feel more successful. And the mindset that comes with that is that success is a result of the amount of time and effort you expend. And I, I can remember years ago coming to the realization that that was just an aspect of a particular worldview. And at the time, I, of course, had been previously immersed in this world where I felt like I had to work faster and harder in order to be more successful and get where I wanted to be sooner. And then uh, I went through a transformational shift and I, I, it suddenly dawned on me that, wow, actually, there are people in this world who don't live that way and yet they have everything that they want and they live a happy life. Mm. Uh, so it's a, it's a very big thing to come to that realisation that what you had pinned your you know whole existence on your your anchor points your human values that, that sort of supported your worldview actually aren't universal truths and you know that, that's a big realization it's a big realization although just to add to that um 
that there's always some truth that may be valuable as we move forward in each expression, in each paradigm. Each, yeah, each worldview and each set of values is perfectly adapted to life conditions which, yeah. which it's suited to. Mm. But just getting back to your, to your mental uh, health article, mm. that idea of having to work faster and harder, of course, leads to the kind of health issues that have been the main uh, issues you know, doctors have been uh, called to address in the past. Which, which are uh, you know things like colds and flu, and uh, and what was the other thing that was uh, uh, in that colds, article? Colds, flu, and um, that's what it says. It colds, flu, and other well, basically yeah, physical, physical, physical physical disorders of any type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, I think it's back pain actually. Back pain, back it was, pain, and it was back pain. So all of these things, if you think about it, they come from working too hard. Uh, and then what we're seeing now is a shift away from that towards mental health issues, and those mental health issues really fit with the themes of the emergent paradigm which is driven by a need for deep human connection and we're we're coming out of a paradigm that has created a a society that is structured around individual individuality so even our social media which is supposed to connect us is actually not doing that because it's, it's connecting us remotely not personally and we miss that that intimate personal interaction that that we are now craving so strongly as we our values shift into this new uh, mm. new era. Just so, just a little bit more on that health thing, which yeah. is interesting here too, because because the current Medicare model and the model of going when you visit your GP, you get fifteen minutes if you're lucky, and uh, that's no no criticism of doctors. That's the system that we're under now. Uh, but when it comes to these shorter consultations for more straightforward health conditions. Um, it undervalues the longer consultations that are needed for complex issues such as psychological problems. Rebates also for mental health illnesses consultations are also lower than those for physical uh, illness, according to the report. And the graph they've got here is quite uh, quite uh, telling. The psychological issues that are taken to GPs now hugely uh, over musculoskeletal problems, respiratory and all the others come down the line there. It's a it's a really big change, and, and and fairly recent. I mean, we're probably talking about a decade or or, or two at the most in yeah. that change towards um, those more psychological problems. And the, the, again, this is, it's a classic example of how the uh, the structure within where our doctors are called to work at the moment is crafted by the old paradigm, where you have to try and see more people quicker. And so what it's done is it's reduced those appointment times down to 15 minutes, which just don't cut it anymore yeah. because the, the, you know, the nature of what people are presenting with is, is changing entirely. And the mental health issues that we're seeing emerge now are really a result of people not being able to satisfy that need for deep human connection within the structure of society. Yeah. You know, that's it. So it's giving rise to depression. People are becoming depressed. And uh, Claire, Claire Graves wrote about this in, you know, in his research that he did back in the 1950s and 60s mm-hmm. when he was seeing people who were going through this value set. He was mm-hmm. seeing this happening. That, And he wrote that these people are, have a deep need for uh, human connection. And when they don't get it, they become depressed. Mm. And you've seen that, as you mentioned, Facebook before, the, the uh, supposed connection that Facebook and other social media platforms gives you is actually a bit of a false game. It doesn't satisfy most people in, in the end, and we're probably seeing that quite a lot now. I think a lot of people are feeling that. Yeah. Just don't engage with it because you're not getting what you actually need from no, it. No, no, that's right. Mm. It's, it's, it's literally virtual connection. Yeah. Literally, yeah. It's uh, 10.37 here on Future Sense. We'll take a little break and we'll be back shortly. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. Bay FM wishes to advise that the views expressed in this program are not necessarily the views of the Bay FM Management Committee, volunteers, operational staff, or members. You're tuned to Future Sense here with Steve McDonald and myself, Nick Jeans. 
We're talking about local action to prepare for the huge changes which many of us sense are coming down the track, and particularly over the next decade or so. And we're talking about compounding issues that have arisen out of the previous paradigm, like pollution, like the destruction of uh, natural resources, and um, also the collapse of our social structures, which have been built by the old paradigm from an individual mindset and, and which are quite obviously now slowly failing to meet our needs as the world becomes a more complex place. We're feeling drawn to live in communal ways rather than uh, individual ways now, back to the we, us, our trend, as opposed to the I, me, mine trend from the, the scientific industrial era. And where we've just been talking about uh, what we can do locally based around the understanding that the emerging paradigm and the emerging value set, which is the sixth layer of uh, human consciousness laid over the, the fifth scientific industrial layer, is really a relatively short-term stepping stone to a much larger transformation of human consciousness, which is the, the shift from uh, what we call first-tier human consciousness into second-tier human consciousness. Mm. And that shift is really a quantum leaping capacity. And it is a quantum leap because from an evolutionary point of view, our species is at a point where we need to make a quantum leap in order to resolve the issues that we're facing mm. to continue to survive on this planet. And I think at this time in history, it's extremely important to be able to step back and see this map to the future, to see that what's going on now is not... Uh, it's it's not a last blast or a, you know a final ditch attempt. It's actually the creation of a foundation from which we can leap to something much much greater. And that's a really great perspective to to take if you if you can if we can. That's certainly a perspective that I've come more to in the last period of time. Exactly that. Rather than seeing everything emotionally negative, and yes, there's plenty of evidence to say so but to, to see it more from that perspective that you're articulating there. And even if you find that hard to believe, mm. if, you, if you just have a think about what happens when you become uh, you know, uh, discouraged about life and what happens when you become unhappy with what your experience is, uh, you tend to go into depressed state. And when you're in a depressed state, you become less active and less capable of actually solving your own problems, right? Yeah. And as a species, if we get lost in the the horror uh, of you know of what we're seeing around the world and uh, and become depressed as a species, then we're we're really signing our own death warrant. And so the answer is to actually ch shift your perspective and see what's happening at the moment as an opportunity, as a foundation that's being laid for a much, much larger leaping capacity, then from that perspective, we're much more likely to successfully make this transition into mm. second tier. And I, I, I honestly must say that I don't doubt for a moment that this is going to happen. You know, from, from everything I know and everything that I've studied, I'm seeing that, okay, we're, we're actually past uh, the critical point in terms of change. Mm. And this is exhibited by what's playing out around the planet right at the moment where large groups of people are taking to the streets and saying okay everything needs to change uh, and that's where we needed to get to for this to play out uh, in order to uh, navigate this next uh, decade of change as smoothly as possible and which you know with as, as little disruption as possible we need to actually understand the change process and understand that we we need to take an active part in this change 
and we need to expect there to be challenges. We need to plan for the challenges ahead, and, and many of them are predictable. I mean, if you look around at the world at the moment, you can see these things happening. You can see governments starting to fail. You can see our social systems becoming wobbly. You can see uh, problems with food and uh, water supply. You can see problems emerging with increasing population migration, those sorts of things. And so we need to take action on these things now, and it needs to start locally. Um, you know, as uh, as many people have said throughout history, we need to, we need to start locally. We need to start building resilient communities. We need to start uh, giving our local communities the capacity to support themselves, without uh, reliance on these uh, large national structures, which are quite clearly failing to to meet our needs already. Uh, you know, in the early stages of this uh, collapse process. From uh, the website I've quoted from a couple of times today, from David Smart, called ThinkingWithDavid.com. Some interesting stuff here regarding uh, the developmental, developmental psychology we're talking about here. He talks about the radical shift, as you're speaking here, of, uh, from first tier to second tier, as, as we as we uh, configure here. And he says that second tier believes each of the first tier stages has some grain of truth and accepts the world as an amalgam of many partially true perspectives and not a my truth is the only truth perspective. It is a radical shift in thinking and requires a frightening degree of open-mindedness. And just a question there is that movement from, because in, in the first tier, as I understand it, generally whatever paradigm that one may be operating from down through history or still at this time, uh, the tendency is, is to say, my answer is the answer. Yeah. My way is the way. Yeah. Whereas as we move to second tier, it's, well, no, actually every way has a piece that may have a piece of the puzzle to help us solve the problems that we have in front of us. That's a big, that's a big leap in itself, isn't it? Just that. It is a big leap, yeah. And we need to understand that these shifts of worldview as we move from one layer of consciousness to the next are not rational choices, and this is mm. a, a really important thing mm. to to take note of. Is that, you know this is not about morally convincing somebody that they need to change their worldview. It's actually about working with the life conditions themselves. And uh, and Claire Graves was very very clear on this when he first presented his his theory, his model, many years ago. Um, we we don't go through transformational change because it's a good idea. You know, we don't wake up one morning and say, "Oh, I'm going to change my worldview." What we do is respond. We respond at the deepest level, the deepest subconscious level, to a shift in our framework of making sense of reality, uh, and that shift is an adaptation to an increase in complexity of life conditions. Mm. And so if we are going to support people to make this shift, what we need to do is we need to change people's life conditions. Yeah. And that can be as simple as making sure they've got access to food and water. Mm. It can be that simple. Mm. And if you think about it, when you don't have the basic survival needs, then... You're not thinking about big picture stuff. You don't think about big picture stuff mm. and your worldview world will you know, often turn uh, to a power-based violent worldview. I mean, this is what we see around the world. Mm. People are deprived of their basic needs, right? Mm. Uh, they, they often become violent. And so, that, I mean, that's a very crude example, but um, it's, it's so important to understand how life conditions are the key to, to supporting this shift. And so one of the things that we can do, again, at a local level is to make available the very best technologies that we can find for the transformation of, of human consciousness. And, and they will be technologies that put people in a place of radically different life conditions. And one way that we can do that is through 
altered state technologies mm. where w people for a short period of time are immersed in a completely different perspective mm. on reality. And of course this has happened uh, even through the, the growth in yoga and mindfulness uh, and all of that sort of body health consciousness of superfoods and the whole uh, consciousness around food generally speaking and beyond that too. We talk a lot here about the new psychedelic revolution so that's also included in what you're saying of course. Yeah and this has actually been the, the foundation of spirituality uh, you know, yes. all time really. Yeah. If if you discount the the aberration which has been modern religion for the last couple of hundred a uh, couple of thousand years, and look back through the whole history of humanity, you'll find that most of the time, our spirituality, which which you might say is is uh, at the deepest level, you know, a, a framework for making sense of existence, yeah, having right? purpose, having meaning, perhaps, and so yeah. forth. So uh, it's been based around direct experience and putting people into situations where they can have a direct experience of something different. And historically, that's come from things like sensory deprivation, you know, whether it be in, in dark caves or in buildings constructed. Burying someone in the ground, which some indigenous communities in Australia did here, I think, burying you up to your neck in the ground for yeah, overnight. Exactly. Mm. And also the use of sound has been another yep. very common way of doing it, you know, whether it be blowing a didgeridoo or, or um, chanting a mantra and, yes. those, and those sorts of things. Yep. And you can see clearly already in the shift that's going on around the planet how there is a movement back towards these things, back towards spirituality as a direct experience. And and that is, uh, I, I guess, one of the, the easiest ways that we can change our life conditions is to change that inner experience of, of reality by getting into an altered state. And of course, you know, altered states are not something weird or new. Everybody goes into an altered state every night when they go to sleep, <laughs> and they enter into it's another dream it's world. It's no big right? deal. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, we all disappear into a dream world, and we have radically different experiences, and wake up next morning. Uh, and it's it's now a matter of consciously using that particular technology in, in order to support change by allowing people to, to go into an altered state, have a radically transformed view or, or perspective of, of reality and coming back thinking differently. Um, and so what I envisage in the future is, is that we will have access to these technologies in our local communities in ways that we have in years gone by. I mean, if you go you know, way back to a period before the structured religions which came out of the agricultural era w were so dominant on the planet, then you would find in local communities these sacred sites, these temples, these sanctuaries where yeah. people would go to have these experiences and it was a very healthy way of supporting growth. For, for Indeed. People. Yes. Very good. Um, we don't really have time to expand quickly on this, but I did want your view on, because we've talked about national governments and old paradigm systems generally failing, but I wondered about uh, global systems such as the United Nations um, and how that configures into this just briefly. You know, we don't have, we're going to get a couple of minutes before we finish up. Yeah, I, I think we just need to bear in mind that anything that arose during an old paradigm is unlikely to be the answer for the future. Okay, that, That's the most important thing. And so structures like the United Nations have been designed from old mindsets. And uh, over time, they've become uh, so embedded in the social structures of the old paradigm that they really are incapable of changing sufficiently to address our needs for the future. Mm. So I, I think we definitely have to develop uh, a method of coordinating ourselves globally. There's no doubt about that, but I, I can guarantee it's not going to come out, come from an existing institution. Mm. 
uh, that was designed with old thinking. It's going to come out of something emergent, something quite different. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I think we'll uh, we'll leave it there. And folks, anything that you'd like to communicate with us uh, can, is always on the text line here when we're on air. Zero four three seven three four triple one nine. And thanks for a couple of texts here. Uh, thanks again, guys. Excellent overview of what's going on and how to respond. So unusual to hear such intelligent coverage of the big picture story within which we are living. Thank you. Thanks to Dudley for that. Uh, and indeed, and you can also communicate with us on our uh, uh, Twitter accounts, uh, Future Sense Show at Future Sense Show, and all of our podcasts uh, can be accessed. Few, few, I can't even speak today. I don't know why. <laughs> through FutureSense.it, uh, it's a simple portal website. Um, but also, you can just go to iTunes or probably most of your normal podcast platforms and find us for Future Sense. Thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed the show, then uh, tell some others about it. Yeah. See you next week. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.